1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Todd Nettleton is the host of the Voice of the Martyrs radio program. You hear that on Saturdays. He's the chief of media relations and message integration for Voice of the Martyrs. And he's the author of When Faith is Forbidden, 40 Days on the Front Lines with Persecuted Christians. Good morning to you, Todd. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's always a delight to have you and then to hear what God is doing and how he's moving in the lives of persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. And uh, I, I would love to have you share the story about what God's doing in the life of a widow in Ethiopia. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, one of my coworkers was recently in Ethiopia, and he met a widow named Dama, and she told him an amazing story of of her life of faith, her husband's life of faith, but also her faith since he was killed. About 20 years ago, this lady named Dama became the first Christian in her village. There was a group of traveling evangelists. They came through the village, and she became their first convert, the first Christian in the village. She then went home and led her husband to Christ. So he became the second Christian in their village. And within a couple of years, they had planted a church, and he was pastoring. The church began to grow. All this time, there were threats against them. In fact, at one point, their house was burned down. They were threatened repeatedly. Finally, last year, Dama's husband was told, this is your final warning. There won't be any more warnings. On a Sunday evening earlier this year, after Sunday worship services, Dama's husband was actually in bed. He was tired. He'd had a long day of being the pastor. Five gunmen knocked on their door. They knocked Dama to the floor. They went back to the bedroom and held a gun to her husband's head and said, do you believe that God can raise you from the dead? And Dama's husband said, yes, if it's his will, I absolutely believe that he can. The men then shot him execution style and then mocked him for not raising from the dead. Uh, And this is in front of Dama, in front of her children, obviously a, a very traumatic situation. They then lit the house on fire and left. So Dama is left without a husband and without a home. And yet she continued to serve the Lord. She didn't leave the village even after that. Many people in her church you know, their pastor's just been assassinated. They stopped going to church. It, it was too scary to go to church. Dama began to go house to house among those church members and say, listen, did you have faith in my husband or do you have faith in God? Because yes, my husband was killed, but God is still very much alive. You need to come back to church <laughs> and mm-hmm. and really challenge them to get back and continue walking with the Lord. Since her husband was killed, 27 new people in that village have accepted Christ The church is running over 200 now, and God continues to work. 
my coworker who met with Dama said, you know, there were times her story, obviously it's a very hard story. There were times it was hard for her to tell it. But he said at the end of her story, she actually burst into song. She sang a hymn of praise to the Lord at the end of telling the story about the loss of her husband, but also God's faithfulness in the midst of that. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. I just... Todd, to, thank you. Yeah, thank you for this story. And just to hear the faithfulness of these believers, this is in our day and time, and they're experiencing this, and she is still pressing forward. I just thank God for her and her life and her testimony and her husband as well. Thank you for bringing this to light. Yeah, you are and, welcome. I, I agree. Amen. She is a hero of the faith. Mm-hmm. Wow. And and then, John, also, as we take a look at the calendar, today's like the, the five-year anniversary of the death of John Chow, a uh, very public um, death, and wasn't handled well by the folks in the national media uh, because his desire was to minister on North Sentinel Island. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Well, as you mentioned, this week, the five-year anniversary of of John Chow's death. Uh, interestingly, there is a film that has just been released by National Geographic, of all of all people, mm. uh, purporting to tell John's story. And um, it does that somewhat. It, it uses pages from his journal to tell the story, uh, but it also uses a lot of people to criticize John. What was he thinking? What was he doing? Didn't he know that those people wanted to be left alone? Uh, you know? as if the Great Commission has somehow expired. Uh, but what a great week to think about the sacrifice of John Chow. John Chow spent nine years getting ready to go to that island. He was 26 when he died, and he had been working for nine years to get ready to go. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that as we commemorate his death, and I hope, honestly, as people see this film, they ask more questions about John Chow, and God uses that to plant some missionary seeds in the hearts of people like John who will go. Somebody is going to have to still go to North Sentinel Island because we know from Revelation that there will be Sentinelese people around the throne. It says every tribe and every Mm -hmm. tongue and every nation. Um, And so somebody is going to have to follow in John's footsteps. And uh, I hope that as we commemorate his death, uh, we will pray for whoever God is going to call to be that person. Todd Nettleton, the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio, is with us here to let us know what's going on around the world. And Todd, just thank you so much for illuminating us with this information. But God is so good. And uh, just hearing story after story about his goodness. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. And so, uh, Todd, you have an update for us on Susanna Koh's trial in Malaysia. Uh, Tell us more about that. Yeah, just to kind of catch people up. So 2017, Susanna Coe's husband, Pastor Raymond Coe, was abducted off the streets of Malaysia. It was captured on a security camera video. There were at least five vehicles, at least 13 men, and the whole thing took less than 40 seconds. And since that day in 2017, Pastor Raymond Coe's never been seen or heard from. His car has never been found. If they hadn't had the security camera footage, it would literally be like he fell off the face of the earth. Um, Susanna is now suing the Malaysian government to have them open the books to say what happened. The Human Rights Commission there blamed the intelligence police for this abduction. They call it forced disappearance. And so Susanna is suing the government. She's suing by name some leaders within the police force there. Last week, they had two days of court hearings in her trial. One day, they actually went to the site of the abduction. 
Uh, so the judges there, Susanna's son actually talked through at the site what had happened. And, you know, this is where he is. This is where the other cars were. So everybody could kind of see what happened, where it was in, in that location. And then the following day, Susanna herself was on the witness stand talking about the threats that had come against Pastor Raymond Coe before this, the threats against their family, the threats against their ministry. She is praying uh, not so much to win the case so that the government will pay her money. She is praying to win the case because she wants to know what happened to her husband. Mm -hmm. She still doesn't know. She still is desperate to know after more than six years. Uh, and so I would encourage our listeners just to pray for this court process. She is moderately encouraged. Uh, the judge is ethnically Chinese as opposed to ethnically Malay, which the Malay people are almost 100% Muslim. Uh, she is hoping that he has an open heart and an open mind to hear the facts and to find the truth in this. So mm. please keep praying for Susanna Coe, especially during this trial. Okay, Todd, thank you so much for that update in Susanna's life. And uh, can, can we stop down right now? Would you lead us in prayer for Susanna right now? I would love to do that. Father, I lift up our sister Susanna and her kids uh, as they go through this trial, as they go through every day wondering, what happened to Raymond Coe? Is he alive? Is he dead? Is he well? Is he sick? Is he being taken care of? Is he being tortured? Lord, I can't imagine waking up with those questions every day for more than six years. And I just pray that you would be a comfort and a source of peace to Susanna and to her children. I pray, Lord, for the books to be open, for the truth to come out about what happened to him where he is, if he's still alive, who who were the criminals in this case? Lord, we just pray for justice, and we pray for truth to come out in this trial. And Lord, watch over her and encourage her and give her a special sense of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Todd, amen. thank you so much for just leading us in prayer. And, mm -hmm. and before we cut you loose, I'm just going to ask, because you're um, really just sharing just tidbits of information about what God's doing in the lives of uh, persecuted Christians around the world. But you have a podcast that kind of examines things in greater detail. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we do, and the current episode of the podcast is a conversation I had in North Africa with a pastor there. We just call him Pastor Joe, uh, but he tells some amazing stories of how God is at work in North Africa. One of my favorite ones, there, there's a Christian couple in his congregation. They both came to faith separately, and because of that culture and because of how often families are the source of persecution, they were afraid to tell their spouse that they were following Jesus. Well, one day their separate Christian friends invited them to the same Christian gathering where they both showed up and ran into each other. And the husband is like, what are you doing here? And the wife is like, what are you doing here? And it came out, well, I'm a follower of Jesus now. Well, I'm a follower of Jesus too. And that was the first time they knew that their spouse had left Islam behind and was following Jesus Christ. But it gives you a taste of, of what the fear level is of persecution and of pressure when you're afraid even to tell your spouse hey i'm not a muslim anymore that tells you how difficult it can be for christians in north africa so i would encourage people find voice of the martyrs radio wherever you listen to podcasts you will love meeting pastor joe and it'll help you pray for our brothers and sisters in north africa